Welcome to Life After Childbirth. My name is Weslina Maxey and I'm an occupational therapist on an extraordinary path to change women's health and the care we receive postpartum. Join me as we grow together on this journey. Let's talk Life After Childbirth. When you prepare to go on a vacation, you set up things. You set up things to where you don't have to worry about when they get back. You don't have to worry about your clients or your patients or your list of things to do for your job is finished, is done, is taken care of while you're gone. So that's kind of what we women do when we go on maternity leave. We want everything set in stone. We don't want things messed up. If we have a certain way we file things, we would like that to continue while we're gone. And we would like that not to change while we're gone just because we're gone on maternity leave doesn't give someone the right to change everything around their office or their filing system or the way they do things. And these are the things that we have to worry about when we're on maternity leave. We don't get to just rest. You know, if our job, and sometimes this isn't like that. Sometimes you say no. Sometimes people actually respect you while you're on maternity leave. But if you get a text asking, oh, where's this? More than likely, that woman's going to answer. Because we felt we feel like we are required to, that we don't get this leave. When we are entitled titled to this leave, this should be standard care. And it's not. Even when we're on our six-week joke of a maternity leave, it's not a break. We have to worry about things that are back at work. We have to make sure things are going as smooth as possible. There's women out there that worry about losing their job while they're on maternity leave trying to take care of themselves and take care of their baby. How ridiculous is that? That we have to worry about our job when we literally went through a traumatic event and have to take care of ourselves and another human. We have to worry about someone else swooping in and taking our job. Then talk about the guilt that it comes in with when you are on maternity leave, you feel guilty for leaving your coworkers, leaving your clients, and you're like, man, I wish I could be there, but I'm here. This is what I'm supposed to be doing, and they can live without me for a little while. But then you also have that in the back of your mind. Like, I'm PRN at my place of work, and I felt bad when I went into labor, and I was supposed to work those next two or three days, and I went to labor that Monday, and I was like, Dang, I don't even know what they're going to do. They're not going to have anybody. But why was I worried about that? I just went through however many hours of labor. And that's what I was worried about. I was like, oh, I got to text work. Let them know. Which that's the respectful thing to do is to text work and let them know. But those are the things that go through our mind when we're in labor. When we're in the worst pain ever. And we're like, oh crap, I have work tomorrow. And it, it shouldn't be like that. We shouldn't have to feel like that. And I feel like... The United States is so caught up on work. Work, work. That's the most important thing. We are drawn to work all the time. And that's what we're focused on. We're not focused on family. We're not focused on our kids. Our whole life isn't geared towards that. We're trained to work. And I love to work. I love my job. But that doesn't mean that I don't love the time with my newborn after I have them. It doesn't mean that I'm not very, very family-oriented. doesn't mean that I don't want to be with my family every day, every night, but I do love my job. I do care for it and care for my clients, and I 
want the best for them and I want to be the best for them. So I do the research. I do the work. But I also care for my family. And sometimes employees make that really hard to care for your family. But surprisingly, some places don't make it that hard to actually enjoy your maternity leave. Not enjoy it, but to actually recover and have time and have that bonding experience longer than six weeks. Canada, they can apply for parental benefits depending on what they are eligible for, but they can apply for parental benefits. The standard is 35 weeks of leave. The extended is 61 weeks, and the mom and dad can share this. They have to have a record of employment. And within the 35 to 61 weeks, depending on what they're eligible for, they get a percentage of their insurable earnings, which is almost $600 weekly. So they get this on their parental leave. Norway, the first year of their child's life, are seen as a key in their development, which should be anywhere because it is a key time in a child's life. Each parent is entitled to a combined 12 months leave. They have had to have had six of the last 10 months of employment. So they can get up to 15 weeks at 100% their income. And then pregnant employees are entitled to some sort of paid leave when they have prenatal appointments. So they don't have to take off and use their paid time off for their prenatal appointments, which is what, I mean, I personally didn't have to do this because I was PRN, but anybody that's full-time, they have to use that time, their vacation time, their paid time off. They have to work an extra day to be in order to get off for that appointment. Japan works a little bit differently. They get six weeks before birth and then for multiple births they get like for twins they get 14 weeks in that prenatal period and then during the postnatal period they get eight weeks up to 16 weeks and they get two-thirds of their base salary. And they also can, kind of like Canada can, they can share the childcare leave or the maternity leave. They can share it between the parents, the mom, dad, mom, mom, the caregiver. Now, I'm about to talk about one of my favorites. France, they get a mandatory eight weeks maternity leave, up to 16 weeks, which they can do six weeks before, 10 weeks after, They can also change that, like save some weeks for if they'd rather have them postpartum period, then they can lessen the before the prenatal period weeks off. And they are required to see a pelvic floor therapist after they've had a baby. They get 10 free visits after they've had a baby. They are required to see a pelvic floor therapist because of the damage it does to our pelvic floor muscles. They get in-home check-ins. When you have twins, you get 34 weeks total, 12 weeks beforehand, 22 weeks after. And it just goes up from there if you have multiples. They get equivalent to their salary with a cap of $89 a day paid every two weeks. Every two weeks they get paid. For the pelvic floor therapist, they put on here that it is to re-educate her pelvic floor, vaginal or cesarean birth. Because that's how much is altered down there when we have a baby, when we carry a baby for nine plus months. Do you know how much pressure we put down there during those months? During the aftermath, 
trying to re-educate those muscles and engage our core, engage our muscles properly again after carrying a eight-pound baby, six-pound baby. In Finland, both parents are entitled to parental leave up to 164 days. They can transfer 69 days from their own quota to their the other parent. 26 weeks of those weeks are paid 70% of their salary. And for after those 21 weeks, they are given a flat rate. So they're still paid after those 21 weeks. I mean, 26 weeks. It's just a flat rate. In Germany, they get up to three years. You heard that right. And the parents can share. Iceland, parents get up to 39 weeks of paid leave. 80% of their salary. Europe, it's customary for women to be referred to a pelvic floor therapist at their six-week appointment if they report any sort of discomfort, any sort of urinary leakage, fecal leakage, any pain. They are straight up referred to a pelvic floor therapist at their six-week appointment. For Sweden, they get up to 480 days paid leave of 80% of their paycheck for 12 months. 12 months. They can split this between parents. The husband or partner gets an additional six months. They can share this one with one another. So if the partner or husband, wife, doesn't want the six months, they can share that with the person that had the baby and they can get an additional three months or whatever they end up not taking. With twins, it goes up from there. With twins, it goes up from there 36 months between the parents. So in the U.S., you get six weeks of unpaid maternity leave. You can apply for disability, and with that, you get FMLA. And only 44% of employees actually get approved for FMLA, which I did not know. And you get up to 12 weeks with this, but it's unpaid. Most women, when they are pregnant, they will come to work sick because they want to save their days. They will use their vacation days, their paid time off. They'll work extra days leading up to when they're about to have their baby. So maybe that can roll over to when they go into labor. It's, It's insane the extremes that we go to when we're having a baby because we don't get that much time. We don't get any time beforehand. We don't get off during our prenatal appointments, so we have to take off those days. But we don't want to take off those days because we need to save them for when we actually have the baby so we can have time with them. I will tell you, the U.S. has a lot to learn when it comes to taking care of new parents. Paid leave can help parents just for a moment. Not to have to focus and worry about earning their income, but to focus their minds on bonding with their child and adapting to the demands of parenting. The mental health changes of the women in other countries that receive longer leave is astronomical. Even like two to three years later who took the shorter maternity leave report more psychological distress down the road. So the ones that went to work earlier or had to go to work earlier, they report more psychological distress than the ones that had longer, even two to three years later, which goes back to postpartum depression delay, that late onset of that, 
that could be part of it because you didn't have the time to comprehend what happened to you. You didn't have the time to bond with your child, to bond with back to your body, to connect back to your body after this major event happened to it. You didn't have time for that because you had to go back to work. You had to start earning your income again because, well, I mean, even the people that do get 12 weeks, you don't have the money for that because you're not getting paid for it. So how are you supposed to keep the roof over your head if you're not getting paid some of your earnings to be able to stay at home and to reconnect with your body, rehab your body, and connect with your baby? Once you go back to work, what do you do with your baby? This is like one of the biggest questions parents have to ask themselves. What, who do we trust with our child? Who can we trust? Can we trust a daycare? Do we have to get a nanny? Do we trust an in-home daycare? Does one of our families want to do it? Are we going to feel guilty if our family does do it? Are they ever going to want to watch our child for a date night if they're always watching them during the day? Is it fair to them to ask them to watch our child? Will they get annoyed by our child by watching them every day? And then you drop your kid off at daycare and you're like, how do I know what they're doing? How do I know that they're taking care of them? And then this stuff goes on in your head and you're like, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? Are they doing this? Are they giving them the rat bottle? When they cry, they want this passy. When they do this, they want this blanket. This soothes them. I know them. These daycare providers don't know them yet. And it's the psychological distress that goes on while you're at work. You can't even focus while you're at work because you're thinking about what lovey did the daycare provider give them and is it the right one? Are they crying? Did they have to rub their back? Are they even paying attention to my child? And these are the things that have to go through our head because they can't talk yet. They can't tell us. I couldn't tell you when my son was able to tell me what happened that day at school or day, I mean daycare. It was like, oh my gosh, now he can communicate to me. Now I don't have to worry as much because at least he can tell me what's going on. At least he can tell me how he's feeling can tell me if someone yelled at him, grabbed his arm, gave him milk, gave him a juice, gave him food that day. I mean, not telling, not saying that you can believe everything your child says, because sometimes it's not the case. However, he was able to communicate to me if someone hurt him, and that made me feel so much better. So talking about childcare, how do we afford it? Is it even worth it going back to work? To put them in childcare. So in Canada, the average childcare a month there is twelve hundred a month, which is sort of on the high end. Norway is three hundred to five hundred a month, and this is the one that gets twelve months combined leave. And the women that are pregnant get paid leave during their appointments. I think I might be moving there. Japan, their monthly cost of childcare is on average two to four hundred dollars a month. France, on average, is about 400 a month. Finland is 300 monthly, and then it lessens the more children you have in that daycare. And 70% of their preschool children attend a full day of daycare for free. For free. That's in Finland. So in Germany, you get 150 to $300 monthly. Iceland is surprising. It's 185 to $300 a month. Sweden is 200 to $400 a month. 
a lot of these that I read about, it depends on the income as well, some of them. The United States, on average, is $750 a month. And I'm sure some of the people that are listening to this, and if you're in the U.S., a lot of times it's a lot higher than that. The U.S. is one of only two countries that don't mandate any paid maternity leave. How sad is that? That we aren't considered cared for. Our postpartum care doesn't matter. We don't get to see pelvic floor therapists until we fight, until we say we've had pain, until we've said, I am so tired of leaking in my underwear. Like, how many times do you cross your legs when you sneeze? Every time, I bet. Every time, I bet you go to cross your legs when you sneeze or cough. And you don't have to. And we don't even realize that our pelvic floor muscles are weak because we are trained to think that, oh, this is normal because I've had a baby. Oh, this is fine. This is just how I have to live. I have to have hip pain because I've had a baby. I have to go back to work and put my kid in childcare because I might lose my job. I have to text my boss back when he texts me three weeks postpartum while I'm changing my brief from bleeding so much from childbirth because I might lose my job. How crazy does that sound? How insane does this sound that we are trained to think that we have to worry about all this and that the things that happen to us are just because we've had a baby. This is just how your body's going to work, how it's going to feel. You have to be in pain and you have to pee on yourself. In some cases, you have to shit on yourself because fecal incontinence is a thing too. I looked up if there's a pelvic floor therapist around me and there's one 30 minutes away, but that's it. Other than that, you have to drive an hour or longer. And I'm sure even if you somehow got a referral to them or if you didn't have to get a referral, depending on your state, you might not have to get a referral for a pelvic floor therapist. However, how are you going to get there if you have to drive an hour? Do you really want to load up your kid and drive an hour? In some cases, yeah. I mean, you make it work. You do it because you really need the help. But why isn't this a standard care? Why isn't this in every hospital? We get referred to. We have it around. It's local. And it's there for us. It's there for us. Because up to 80% of women give childbirth. And we aren't caring for these women. We aren't fighting for us. And postpartum care needs to change. We can say, oh, we're just going to move away. I'm just going to go to Norway. I'm just going to go to France so I can see a pelvic floor therapist. But the change starts with us. The change is only going to change if we make it change. If we're here fighting, if we're here talking about this, if we're here advocating for this, that's how it's going to change. And I hope you stick with me and listen and educate and advocate so we can get better care, so we can start taking care of our bodies better. My goal is to reach as many women as I can to talk about life after childbirth. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please share on social media and let me know what you liked about it. If you haven't already, subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. And if you feel persuaded to do so, leave a review so we can reach others and begin to talk more about life after childbirth.